Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have another edition of uh, Where the Pavement Ends, joined by me, Clint Belding, Clay Belding. And what's your name? Me is Alex, Alex Crosby. Crosby. <laughs> Coming to you as myself, not of an outer body experience. Real tree camouflage. Thankful to have them as a partner. Their new escape pattern, new clothing we've been wearing all year. The best. It so really, far, the best, most comfortable. The visually, just looking back when you put it when you put the decoy out and you're walking back to stand. I literally, because a lot of times I'm behind the camera, but these last couple of trips. I start walking up the hill and Where you like, are they? oh, they're right there in front of me. I thought I got off track. I mean, it blends in that well. And when I got home on a Sunday last time we went, my girlfriend was like, wow, that's really cool. So that, I mean, you're covering both, both bases there. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like going out. Yeah. I mean, you, you wear that vest out if you want. <laughs> you could. A pair of cowboy making, boots. Making camo cool. Right. Maybe it was just me and my three-day stench. Which, speaking of last no, trip, don't comment. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of last trip, that's what uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Something that we kind of coined the phrase of maybe predator economics. I don't know if you watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Voodoo economics, predator economics. Uh, aside from all the great benefits for the wildlife, financially, we predator hunters are doing some good out there, aren't we, Clay? What are we doing out there? Well, not only is it good just by the pure enjoyment of it and the well, getting, that goes getting hot and, and hanging out, but yes, when you when you I don't know have the reputation or friendships with ranchers and knowing that you do what you know do what we do, they call us and to help them out. Certain times of the year more prevalent than others, which means a couple times a year for the cows. And once or twice for lambing situations, right? And yes, we get calls to go out and help them with their predator herds or manage their predators because when they start dropping, there's so many coyotes that move in from everywhere and you can go kill 50 of them in a weekend and then that... Next weekend, there's another 50 or 100 moving in to take their spots. And when you say dropping, what, what's dropping? So when the cows and lambs, you know, or when the sheep and cows are dropping their babies, they're dropping them out. <laughs> they're bad. They're birthing them. <laughs> and and we... Dropping sounds better than Yeah, birthing. dropping, birthing. Yeah. Um, the coyotes, I have seen video pictures and have footage of coyotes literally running up to them and pulling out lambs and calves out of their moms. Oh, yeah. Before they even drop. I mean, they can smell it and they get there and they live amongst them. And a, a birthing mother is pretty much helpless right. pushing it out. And when you have that much stress, you're going to have a stillbirth. You're going to lose that lamb or calf and be so stressed out yourself, you might die yourself. So, yes, that's what we do. We go out, we get these calls from these ranchers who during these times of year and especially the ranchers that we know where they're doing, you know, thousands and thousands of head of cattle and, and lambs and everything. That's a big business, big, okay. big business. And when a coyote and a pack of coyotes or 50 or 100 of them move in on your herd, and they can wipe out, I mean, 10, 20, 30 lambs a night. And a I was going to say a night. The lambs are, it, it's got to be, it's got to just be the, the number 
would be staggering. I mean, you know, they're the size of a chihuahua when they come out in and frail. You know what I mean? You, you worth I mean, helpless. Yeah, frail, helpless, and just small and probably very delicious. To be honest with us, uh, <laughs> you know, a calf's a little bit sturdier, and but still, they 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 knock them down like nothing too, and. Uh, and you don't, you can't blame them. I mean, yeah, they're just, they're doing their life. deal. And like you said, you could go out there and call 50 of them in a weekend and the next weekend there's 50 more. Don't be fooled, you know, thinking that you're exterminating the uh, coyote population <laughs> by going out and calling because they, they are, there are the thousands of them. And you know, that somebody, somebody once said, you know, that the, that after the nuclear Holocaust, all that will be left will be coyotes and cockroaches because they're resilient you know they uh they're 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 adapted in their breeding habits to lessen and you know uh increase pups you know on good years they have more up to what 10 11 probably yep. and on bad years when the water's low or the feed's low that they'll only have one or two it's you know that their mother nature's it's insane one of the finest creatures and they could be uh herbivores omnivores yeah. <laughs> i mean every they'll eat anything or drink anything or it's it's amazing what yeah. they what they can survive on but going back to the ranchers when it's that healthy i mean it's easy to oh, yeah. <laughs> when it's that easy for them and such good tasting meals you just you can't help it to, well, to stop it and those ranchers they need help because they're there to ranch they need they need help on the back end, and they do get help in terms of us coming up and other people. I mean, obviously, we're not the only ones doing it for all these ranchers, and they're calling in government help. Yeah, government trappers. So you got government trappers. They got the airplanes and, and helicopters that come out and fly for these ranchers because there's no good way. You can't bait them and, and poison them, so you got to do it in illegal method, which is us, and calling in the government, which is shooting them out of airplanes and... And helicopters, yep. because it's such they know if a, if a, if my business was selling cars and someone stole every car I had to sell, I ain't making any money. Well, it goes for any business. Yep. If someone comes in and takes your livelihood away, your livelihood is gone, right? So these ranchers need help to sustain their lives, and I love it. And Clint, you you looked at it. What's what's a what's a cow going for? You know, I'm not. We're not going to hold you to the number, but. Twenty-eight, three grand, something yeah, like figuring, that. Yeah, we're figuring. Yeah, about it will go on the low end. There's twenty-five hundred bucks a head. So think about, and I mean, that number is different if it's a dairy cow. You know, if you're gonna yeah. if you if you're gonna utilize that animal for years and years, but a straight beef cow, you know, that they'll raise up and and finish. You know, three grand. Call it three grand. Yeah. Every time that a coyote gets one, that's three grand out of that guy's pocket. At a minimum, think about what you guys were talking about earlier with you know the stress on that mother. She, we've seen it. We've seen that dead cow with her belly ripped open out in the middle of a field. Oh, yeah. And uh, add on to, on top of that, the feed over all those years. That too, you know, yeah. How old was she? And then you calculate that feed in there. So you're talking you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars per head on cattle. And then when you get into the sheep world, um, you know, I'm thinking back. I remember the first time we called John's property, We there was the one dead cow. And then there was probably about a string, I remember, about 8, 9, 10 
you know, remains of sheep as we walked mm-hmm. along a flat, and that was just between stands. You know, yeah. you could just imagine over the hundreds of thousands of acres he has, but just so the the multiple of of sheep. So you figure, you know, for every one cow that's going to go down or calf that's going to go down, eight or ten times, yeah, multiple. You figure, yeah. So, so it's probably about the same money, right? I mean, that, that coyote's going to take out eight to ten uh, sheep to every one cat cattle. It's it's basically the same yeah, number, so twenty five hundred three grand, two fifty per land. Yeah. About yeah, so you figure that by ten. So it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's a serious situation, and especially with those older ones. That's the other part of it. You know, is you got to calculate in the feed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean everything, everything, antibiotics, Gas, feed, water, yeah. Yeah. yeah, your time and cowboying and all that. It's it, so it's, so you multiply that not just by day but by year yeah. and by her, the size of herd. I mean, John runs. Thousands and thousands and thousands, and you take out a third of that, a sixteenth of that, whatever. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, that's a, you know, you think about you know, in a night, you know, if if he's got you know three thousand sheep sitting on it somewhere, it's that, that it would be very feasible for coyotes to to come get five or ten a night. Oh, yeah. I mean, so every night you're losing three grand. Yep. Think about that. I mean, that's insane and. That's kind of what we were talking about is that's the kind of economics of predator hunting, you know, that, yes, it's fun. Yes, we enjoy it. And we, you know, we get to have good times out in the field with it. But when you do go to do these things like we do on ranches, you're actually, you're helping, you know, a a local business guy, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the, that's the key to life, you know, is that you're helping your friends, your family, your local guy. Um, and we're not the only ones, you know, like you said, the government helps them out. And, and most ranchers have those great Pyrenees dogs, you know, they, there's tons of ways that they're trying to combat the predator problem. And and as we touched on earlier, you're never going to eliminate the predator yeah. problem, but you've got to slow it down. And that's a, that's a common thought amongst people that don't hunt predators is you don't eat them. Maybe you're not keeping the fur. So what are you doing? Well, you're hoping to, curve them because nothing's nothing they're not prey to anything you know what i mean so mountain lion you know you know we're we could talk about mountain lions in a different format one of you or dave stanley saw those uh uh mountain lion had hung you know killed all that guy's sheep and was hanging them in the trees and you know that's a problem he said there was 25 or 30 of them hanging in the trees you know the cat would eat part of it and hang it in the tree and then never go back to it well we weren't hunting mountain lions, but you could you could say it about other things, bobcats, mountain lions. Any predator. Yeah, any predator. Um, we just happened to target coyotes. You know, they, they happen to be uh, what we enjoy and, to do. And for ranchers, I would say that's the biggest of the yeah. problem. I mean, you're going to get those ranchers that have those their flocks of sheep and cattle herds that are up there in the mountains where coyotes or mountain lions or mountain lions are more apt to be more down in the flats with them but that those mountain lions will come right down with you but you mentioned uh government help and i did as well so you tack on that right so john he flies twice a month twice a month when they're dropping on all his different herds how much is that? Oh my god! To bring out an airplane and pay for an airplane because he knows it's worthwhile to pay ten thousand dollars. I don't know what it, what what is an airplane and a helicopter ride for a weekend, three day ride for all the time and fuel and government cost and bullets and everything you got to pay uh-huh. for the fuel alone is going to be in the thousands. I would on assume. top on top of losing your cattle, he knows it's economic for him to pay that fee, and we don't charge him or nothing. We do it because we love it and want to help him out. 
but just his loss of life of his his herds and on top of all the money he has to spend to try to protect that he knows it's more economical to do that to so he does it yeah 100% and i <laughs> i i've actually uh I've always wondered, you know, what, what was that, what would that number be? You know, and I bet John knows, you know, I mean, it, it obviously fluctuates. There's, there's worse coyote years and yeah. than, than others, you know, and, and well, there's years that we see, you know, you're calling two and three on every stand. And I imagine in those years, they just get crushed out there because just the sheer numbers, right? Coyotes hunting packs. And if there's five or 10 of them running together versus one or two of them running together, they might need to kill, you know, 10 or 15 a night, you know, to, to get what they're looking for. You know, there's not a whole lot of meat on a, on a lamb, you know? So obviously they need to kill a few of them if they're trying to get three or four pounds each to eat in the winter time, mm-hmm. you know, cows, probably a different story, but more money involved than a cow. I wonder if John would know that what that point is, you know, he needs to oh, spend sure, sure. $15,000 a year on predator control in order to save 45, you know, whatever that number is. I bet you a guy like John, who's very uh, savvy in the ranching world, he knows, you know, that he probably actually budgets it. You know, he knows that, you know, they charge him X number of dollars per flight and he does it, like you said, twice a month. And so he's going to spend X number of dollars this year. And, and then, you know, he's got to buy us a dinner two nights when we're (laughs) out there. So that costs him a couple bucks. Yeah. That's what's crazy is that he, he does it twice a month when there's doing it. And we go out in between those flights, and they kill. I'll call John. Hey, how many did, did the chopper get this weekend? He'll 50, 70, 80. That's a weekend that yep. they're flying and killing that many coyotes when they're dropping. And, and we go in. And how and many kill. do they miss? You exactly. Know, away and, <laughs> and we go in and kill our eight or ten or whatever in a weekend and and help him out a little bit because he can't afford that <laughs> whatever yeah he might f- need it three nights or three yeah. days a week a month yeah and he just can't i'm sure he maybe could afford it but it gets down to a point of economics but it's just mind-blowing that there's that many coyotes over and every year every year well you you kind of said something that i i think is is the and there's nothing you can do about it but you said you know they smell it you know anybody that's ever been around a a, a cattle herd or you know a big flock of sheep they stink think about them all dropping their calves you know you know because when you got thousands of sheep you're talking they're 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 dropping ewes you know every couple of minutes i bet there's you know so that all that afterbirth and all that exactly those things probably smell that from 15 miles away you know everyone that's even around them and you know they're just bombing in there night after night after night will you we talked to the Peruvian sheep herders, man, when they're out away from the ranch, you know, that's a big part of their job, you know, yeah. them with the, with the Pyrenees and, and, you know, those guys probably get very little sleep because you can imagine that those coyotes are in there all night long, stirring up the herd and, yep. you know, like you said, grabbing a ewe here and there and they're up, you know, chasing them off, shooting at them. I don't even know. Do they carry guns? <laughs> yeah, that was the other part of it I was thinking about. You know, I think most of what we focused on was on the ranch, you know, where there's a bit more control as far as fences and, and a, you know, more human activity. But in their winter grounds with those sheep, you know, you'll see them anywhere across the state. There's thousands of sheep and they're on open range. And there might be, I'd say, anywhere from three to half a dozen great Pyrenees for those hundreds or, you know, around thousand sheep, there's no way they can keep those coyotes off of them. And I'm thinking back years ago, you remember when we went into that, into that Peruvian's camp, 
I believe we were up north, north via north, and there was a half a dozen dead sheep. Yep. So you guys were talking about how many are birthed during that time and or dropped. Um, but you know, there's just natural. Just we have that many animals. The older ones, you know, if the feed dries up, they just die off. So they, and it wasn't, it was no big deal. Those, those Pyrenees were just, you know, it was almost like they had lost a, a child and they were really protecting those dead ones. But it's not uncommon to have many of them just die of natural causes on top of the, of the coyotes that are going to be drawn into that activity. And there's not near as much control there. Basically what they have for control are those, those dogs. dogs. Yeah. They don't really don't have anything else. And those coyotes are going to come in and surround them. And, um, you know, that, that, that there's, there's less cost because he's not flying them that time of year, but he's losing a lot more sheep. So at the end of the day, um, it, it gets a lot more expensive in the wintertime for him because they're in that open range. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say, if, if you have always wanted to get into predator hunting or try to get pre- into predator hunting and permission, and maybe, you know, of a rancher that doesn't allow any hunting for big game or you know you can go ask for big game but they've never let you but go in and ask them to kill their coyotes and just start with that form a relationship <laughs> because it's obviously going to be good hunting you know if, if it's an untouched land rancher um but i've never met a rancher to say no well actually i've met one <laughs> one rancher said no because he wanted the coyotes to kill the squirrels one of the squirrels yeah which i get too because those cows can come in and break their leg but that's no, it's it's healthy to a degree. To it's when they're really out of control because yeah, know, if they have two or three coyotes that are hanging around a, that's a herd and you know yeah, keeping the rodents down. Yeah, that's a that's, that's just like having some barn cats around kind of stuff. You know, a few, but obviously, as we know, coyotes are going to breed like crazy and survive like crazy, so they can get out of hand real fast. Well, you know, you think about the the trip that we just went on, our very first stand off the what seven off the cow. There's seven coyotes, literally. You know, the cows could have been walking around on them. You know, they were that close to them waiting. And that's what they're doing, right? They're waiting waiting. for a a calf to be born. They're waiting. You know, they're going to, just like the sounds we play, they're going to hear that mom start to really, really go at it, you know, because she's feeling the pain. and Or, you know, heaven forbid she lays down, you know, to have that calf or has a problem. And, you know, because then they're going to town on her just like they will a calf or anything else. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a miserable death to think about, you know, I mean, things happen. Clint just said it, you know, the, the Peruvians out with the sheep, they're going to lose them to natural causes. Being eaten alive from the back end up is not a natural. I mean, I guess it is, but it's a very, that's a very painful, terrible death to, to go through. And I mean, yeah, you you see the, you see the pictures and videos of them being half eaten and still alive, yeah, and limping around, and their guts hanging out, and they're—it's just—it's miserable. Yeah, it's so you got to go put him down. You got to, I mean, all in all, it's—it's it's a very good feeling to to do what we do. And and you know, you can tell that even you know, like you said, ninety nine percent of ranchers would love to have you. And it's funny, you know, even when you're out and about, and if you're not hunting, you know, a lot of times you see one, they'll want you to shoot it and stuff like yeah. that, with the exception of a few. And I understand that guy's point as well. You know, you don't, it's healthy to have a, a full heard, ecosystem yeah, on your sure. ranch. Um, but uh, John, especially, you know, he enjoys that we're out there. It's helpful to him. Maybe it saves him a couple bucks. Uh, it's good times for us. You know, it's, it, it, it benefits everything. It benefits everyone. 
Um, you know, we've taken his son out a bunch of times and it, and, uh, he's become a great shot, probably thankful, you know, thank, <laughs> thankfully to us for teaching him what we know. Um, but it's, it's cool. And it's a, it's, a like you said, if you're just getting into it, it's a good starting point. If you've got some access to land, because mm-hmm. I think what we've been seeing over the years is as coyote hunting becomes more popular, it's harder and harder to find spots you know, we were calling right behind somebody the other day. You could tell. You could see their boot tracks going out to the yep. same pieces of brush that we would want to sit on and look at. And so finding a rancher, it helps them, helps you, you know, get you started in the sport or whatever. And, um, again, it's a dollar savings thing. It's a – we can, I mean, we, as we're talking about ranchers. We can expand that into the state, right, for how does the state make – how does this Endow, Division of Wildlife, make money? They only have two forms. And tell me. Hunting licenses and tags. And tags. That's it. Okay. So here we are with tags. And taxes. How, <laughs> how are tags allocated? By, by population. Population. So when those biologists go out there and fly and get an accurate number of the herd in each area in our unit, I know every state's different, but in Nevada we have hunting units to where each unit has its elk and it's sheep and it's antelope and it's deer and the biologists say okay that has 100 deer we can kill 17 out of it and this one has 25 we can only kill two whatever it is so each unit has it so you take those tags and you get to sell them for 120 dollars a pop 150 dollars a pop a tag or whatever it is coyotes are out there killing all them things too mm-hmm. so as far as you're they're killing all the antelope, all the elk, and all the deer, and all the sh- everything that's out there that we pay to go and get a tag for and and eat ourselves, chucker, quail, all those things. Well, those tags are lessened by predators, so the state is losing money. So you know they they do their job and like they have government trappers. I was going to say all they have stuff, predator control, <laughs> and they're doing it all themselves. So. It's an all-around good situation for you know. It's just it's all about management. Right, I mean, sure. we're not trying to kill every freaking coyote out there, and you're never going to. We're not trying to do that. But in the meantime, when you want to go kill a deer, and ten years ago, when there was two hundred tags to get amongst everybody that's putting in for them, now it's down to eighty. You know, you don't get a hunt, and that's not. You a can't good find thing. good deer. You can't find good deer. I mean, my my buddy just sent me a picture today that I sent you guys today. A an unbelievable five five by five, twenty four five inches wide, freshly killed. Mm-hmm. Well, and, we saw it on Chance's deer hunt up there in the granites. I mean, <laughs> as long as I could remember, the granites were one of the most premier mule deer hunting units in Nevada. Big chocolate horned deer, and we went up there and hunted our tails off, and and you couldn't turn up not even couldn't even turn up a decent buck you couldn't turn up a buck and <laughs> what do we do call in five eight coyotes and two mountain lions right i, I was gonna say that the very first time we turned that call on we called in three and then we moved down the road 100 yards turned it on again and called in two more and then yeah as the as the week progressed it ended up being whatever it was eight ten coyotes and two mountain lions and we we were very little coyote hunting i mean it it doesn't take a genius to realize what's happened we were deer hunting yeah (laughs) right but we weren't seeing when you call in more mountain lions and you see deer yeah you know there's a problem exactly so if those 
if you just want to go kill a deer and kill an antelope and kill an elk and, and put in for that, that's fine. That's great. But at the same time, you need to do your, <laughs> do you know, you help, you got to help out. That's what I was going to say is that the government has one or two predator control biologists yeah. in, in the state what of Nevada. We, we pay, not only do we pay for our tax, we pay $3. Yeah. For the PIW partners and wildlife. For, for predator management, yeah. right? For a fee. 100%. So, and, and, but there's only a couple of them. In, yeah. I mean, they can't do it all. You, the, the Nevada's got so much wild, you know, uh, BLM, land. BLM land. Yeah, not not own land. They, there's no way they can't. They 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 can't do it all themselves. The trappers that they contract don't typically target coyotes. I mean, they do, but they're looking at other species and they're looking for nuisance animals more so than they are the wild land animals. You know, that's where you as a hunter, me as a hunter, that's yeah. where you've got to kick in your. And and it's funny because you see, uh, I, I just was seeing some stuff on on the uh, internet. They're going back after the coyote calling contest. You know, they, uh. people want them stopped, and they they can't see why anybody would do that. And you're killing animals for money, and it, that's not true. I mean, it. I guess at face value, that's what it seems like. But you got to have that conservation piece to you, like you said, whether you're talking about ranchers or you're talking about even the hiking trails that a non-hunting person likes to use the, the fish and game predator control guys cannot police all that land. So your little dog gets killed, you know, very few people are attacked, but not, you know, there are, there are several that are. And, you know, a lot of, unfortunately the mountain lion people that are attacked by mountain lions, they don't usually make it through that. We just had a guy's dog killed by a lion here last week. I mean, you're never going to stop the the population of predators, but you got to curb it. Yeah. And that's what you're saying. There's only two or three guys that are doing that, and they're doing for those nuisance or the the <laughs> nuisance and not not nuisance. Good free, Freudian slip there. Right? I like know. The, the nuisance animals. Uh, animals. Where yeah, you got this mountain lion that's right behind the school in the backyard, dogs, whatever. Yeah, or bobcat or anything coyotes that are killing dogs or. Up in you know Virginia City Islands, just killing all the horses, mm-hmm. which that's another conversation. But those are the animals that they're targeting because while more and more humans moving out to more and more of their land, more and more interaction, dogs face cats, all this stuff. Those are the problems are taken out, but they're so enthralled or engulfed in that they're not taking care of the problems that are out in the middle of Nevada that are affecting all of us that are hunting. Yep. All right. So not like we were, we got to do our part. We were talking earlier about going back to the rancher and if there's there is a a coyote problem and you call up call up the government and say i've got a coyote infestation they're not going to jump you know up that night and you know be a be go 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 but if you say i got a lion you know they're much more likely to be out there quicker and stuff so again that going back to the coyotes it's not it's not high on the priority list, so that's well, where we come into play. I think our guys are, a lot of them are consumed with the the bears. You know, well, where Nevada borders California, up at Tahoe and other places, those are the calls. They're like you said, those are the calls they're taking. Bears in the trash, bears in the grocery store, bears going through cars. You know, things like those are the ones they've got to go deal with it. And you can't blame them. You know, they they Human they're energy. in the middle of Gerlach. You know trying to wean out the uh, population so the mule deer herd thrives. I mean, yes, that's part of their job, but they just don't, there's just not enough manpower to do it. And that's what, like you said, you got to do your part. And if you're not going to do your part, you better be donating to that uh, cause that's on your tag application too. Well, there's one other part 
to what we're talking about that's probably, I guess, a little bit of a hybrid or a bridge is so you're smaller scale rancher or somebody who lives on a ranch and, and has some cattle and they put some stock into uh, landowner tags. So, you know, they have, they have livestock and then they also have wild animals. Let's just say, for example, mule deer that are eating their crop and in bad years, as far as, you know, if gas prices, diesel prices are, are through the roof, it's not equitable for some guys that are pretty small scale to, to grow all of their crop. They might grow part of it or flood irrigate part of it to, to bring in some animals. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's every 50 animals, right? Yeah. So you get the biologist out there. Here in Nevada anyway. In Nevada, yeah. You get a, you get a, you get a count of 50 head on your ranch at any one time. You get a, a landowner's tag and you could, you could give that to your family and, and, uh, you know, try to kill something nice or you can sell it and that might that might uh you know get somebody through a hard season and it's not uncommon if you're in a good area get two uh, three you four, know five. you could get you could get two or three tags and you could you could make you could turn a bad year as far as your diesel costs and your crop cost and maybe losing a few of the head of the animals that you have on your property with the landowner tag so it's also on a small scale it, it's it's going to help that guy out big time if you're helping manage their predators you know what if he's got if he gets a count of 47 and this you know, is the week before he had, he had a lion or, you know, a pack of coyotes come through and take out some of his fawns, you know, that's, that, that's the difference between a five or $6,000 tag potentially and nothing. So in certain um, areas, way more than that, you can sell landowner tags yeah. for 12 grand, 15 grand, what it is, but right. it's to go back. It's not on your ranch. It's cultivated land. So it's, yeah, I mean, I know you know what you're saying just so people understand it here in Nevada anyway, on your if you had a hundred thousand acre ranch and ninety five thousand acres of it was sagebrush, well, that's natural for the deer to live in. It's fifty deer on that other five thousand that's cultivated. So whatever right. so the biologist will I come said in crop, and, yeah, yeah. Sagebrush, I think the last time I checked is not a crop. It is our state. You said uh, ranch. Flower, you though. just you just said ranch. <laughs> yeah. But it, but yeah. So fifty head at per fifty. So hundred. The more deer you get on your property the more tags you get every 50. And it's kind of funny. You say, I always, I always tell this, and I don't know if it was the start of landowner tags, but it was probably damn pretty close to it with, with Ori. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell this story. It's an awesome story. So our uncle's dad, um, so what a great uncle. He um, has 10,000 acres in Northern Nevada where we hunt a lot. And, a long time ago. I don't remember exactly what year it was, but there were so many deer on his property that he was just getting e eaten out of house and home and just losing a ton of money because these animals were just coming eating it, eating all his, his alfalfa or whatever he was growing that year. And he called the fish and game and they're like, Hey, uh, come get your deer off my property. You know, he wanted to get, what are you going to do about my problem here? You guys are eating out, out at house and home. It's your problem. And they're like, well, there's nothing they can do about it. It's your land. And they're like, okay. Well, he says, well, I'm going to shoot. You guys better come out here really quick and bring all your trucks because I'm going to kill every freaking deer on the property. <laughs> then I'm just going to start shooting and killing them and laying them out. You guys can come and do whatever you want with them. And they were there the next day shooing the deer off of their property. His property. Because they, <laughs> you know, it's their, it's their resource, right? It's the state's resource. So they get to charge the animal. It's their resource. They own that deer, basically, right? And they sell the tag to hunt them. So 
if you're allowing your resource to kill or mean to eat all your private owner's land, that's a problem. And so I don't know if that was the start of the end I was doing uh, landowner tags, but it was pretty stories I'm, I'm, just this, like that. I'm sure yeah. stories just like that made it happen to where they need to figure out a way uh, to compensate these ranchers not to kill the deer because they're selling them and making money on the deer tags, but not giving these ranchers anything in return for them. So this was their way of helping them out every 50 deer then you get a sell or a giveaway or whatever we'll you want to, with that deer tag. The research that what year that came into play. Yeah. I don't know. Clay Clay missed my favorite part of the story. <laughs> well, I don't. He, he was paraphrasing and such, but yeah. uh, Ori Ori, if you can picture, you know this old cowboy in the '60s says, "I'm going to start killing these deer," and the fish and game guy says, "Well, they're not your deer to kill. They're our deer." Yeah. And he says, "Then come get your deer yeah. off, <laughs> off of my, my ranch." Yeah. <laughs> well, with a little few expletives. Uh, yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. You were this paraphrasing too. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say he told that story pretty decent, but nowhere like uh, yeah. The I, can, I can't. I I didn't want to get all the words in there. But yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's all that, and then I mean, you can boil it down to just econ- economics for for the ranchers, I guess that's kind of what we're talking to you, but there's also economics is if you go into a little town like Cedarville and stay the night, you're bringing money to the restaurants, you're mm-hmm. bringing to the, I mean, just like any t- hunting basically, but it goes full circle. The economics of hunting is it's billions of dollars. Well, and it's, you know, it, there's a lot of people that say it and, and it rings true is that the people that are against hunting don't spend $1 on wildlife. 100%. You know, the people that are doing the hunting, we spend all our money on it. And yeah. that's the only way that conservation would ever exist. If you were to leave it to those that are against it, you would see the populations of wild animals decimated. And, and quickly too. And in their mind, they think that's okay. That's, that's a, what do they call it? You know, that's the circle of life or that's what is supposed to happen type mm-hmm. of thing. But it, to me, that's just not true. Well, they're I mean, also, they also love animals, right? They're supposed to love animals and be all loving, but then you get overpopulated and it's a miserable death oh. uh, for those animals. So you are you going to be, I love animals and we want to respect them to letting them die a miserable death because they're overpopulated and no food. And yeah, no starving, and starving starving death, death ranks up there with being eaten from the backside so forward. <laughs> it's We're doing a good thing. And all you predator hunters out there are doing a good thing, not just ha- having fun, but the ec- economics of predator hunting goes a long way from ranchers to the state and think about it. John, I don't want to get into names, but John, that's thousands and thousands and thousands of head of cattle and sheep, right? Flocks, sheep. Uh, and he's just one guy. Think oh, of how yeah. billions of dollars ranchers lose every year across this country to predation. And it has to be in check. And so I, I, I mean, it's a good thing. I, it, it's, it would be interesting to have a guy like John on this show and, and discuss with him the real fine points of, you know, what 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 do they lose for, yeah. you know, a uh, I wonder if he would be season. willing to do that. Yeah, I, I, I think, think he, so. he would share some information with us, but if he came on the show, I don't think anybody could understand him. <laughs> he is kind of a half-basque, half-English. I'm not sure what that what that accent is, if he called it an accent. Yeah, I just... It's it's crazy to think, and if you just have a conversation with somebody about okay, that's against hunting. Say okay, what do you do, what do you do for a living? Do you own your own business? Yeah. What do you do? Oh, I I sell. I uh, you know have a restaurant. I own a restaurant, vegan restaurant. 
okay, well, <laughs> someone comes in and ruins, steals all your plants, pisses on all your plants, cuts them all down, rubs them in the tree. What are you going to do? Yeah. Go out and do what? You're going to probably protect your business. You get the government to protect your business. That's what he's doing. You're going to get the government to protect. Even though you want to defund the police, you're going to get the government and the police to protect your business. And that's exactly what he's doing. I know this is off subject, but you just touched on it. So I'm going to say it. Uh, Did you see what happened to our, in our town last week with the Lululemon? I did. Yeah. Five, five ladies from California come up here. They go into the store in broad daylight and fill laundry baskets full of these uh, workout pants that are like $150 a piece. Anyway, they stole like fifty dollars or $80,000 worth of merchandise. Not like a smash and grab. Place was open. Broad daylight. So as I discussed it further, apparently now that that's what the, the retail places, they encourage no no interference with thieves, yeah. you know? So if, if you're bold enough to walk into a Lululemon and, and grab a pair of pants and walk out the front door, they're literally not going to now, obviously these people stole 50 or $80,000. So the cops eventually tracked them down and busted they two got, of them. Yeah. They caught them on the way back to California and it was an 18 year old and 19 year old or something Yeah, in the one car. And then the other car with three of them in it, got, they got away, got away. But I just think it's crazy that the, you know, that, that, I guess, I mean, I get it. You don't want your 18-year-old stock girl fist fighting with five girls stealing clothes, but yeah. where does it stop? You know, so you, you now we're all just going to go into any store we want and grab what we want and walk out the door if you're bold enough to do it. We can get into politics, but yeah, I mean, in California, I think you can steal up to $1,800 and be no problem, like $900. Well, I can't remember what the amount is, but I think you can go into any store and steal and there's nothing you can do about it. That's insane. To because me. they, they eh, whatever. You think about John. You think about a rancher. You think that. It's uh, do you think a cowboy is going to let let three thousand dollars of his merchandise go down without putting up a fight? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So yeah, back to it. He's just protecting his livelihood, just like you would yours. So back off. Let's. Uh, <laughs> it just hit my head, so I wanted to talk about it. What? When you're calling on a ranch, I mean, I know there there's some fawn bleats and stuff out there, but. What uh, I know what we found that works, but yeah. what what are your other thoughts on calling around livestock? Do you think it's all distress sounds? I mean, is there a is there something you feel like might get them going Fights. that time of year? Fighting, fighting. Mm-hmm. That's what that that. I guess I didn't do a very good lead up to that, but <laughs> we did. We found that uh, that coyote interaction was actually almost better than yeah, the uh, distress. The distress, which is a distress work too, but I mean. It was cool. It was cool to see that, you know, when you switch over to some of those uh, competition. Yeah, right? com- competition. We talking about it. There's so many of them, and there's there's a lot of prey there. But it's not like it's it's not like it's a bunch of jackrabbits. It's going to take quite a bit of an effort to take them down. But yeah, it's it's more about competition with the uh, with the other coyotes. And when you see, you know, you think about like National Geographic when you see like a, a pack of lions or something. They fight, you know, oh, when, yeah. when one's chewing on a specific part of a big animal. You know what I mean? You know, this, like you said, this is not going to happen with a jackrabbit, but yeah. you got a cow or a calf or a, you know, and, and one's chewing at one part of it and one gets too close. You hear the, Arr! you know, they that's start, my to, heart. yeah, they that's start to liver. jaw at each other. And that's what I think. I don't know. Maybe that is, maybe it isn't what yeah. oh, sparks that, sure. you know, wait a minute. They're, they're going to town on something, you know, and they, yeah, that was cool to see. And I just, maybe a little tip thrown in there for if somebody lets you come out and hunt on their ranch. I thought yeah. that was cool. I think that's about it on the economics. 
I think it is too. I think, you know, we got some pictures to post up about this and come in right in to let us know what you guys have uh, experienced out there. Have you hunted on ranches before? Have you, have you asked around and seen if you can get on some cattle ranches or, or a lot of, a lot of, especially in Nevada where it's 95% BLM, like Alex was saying, a lot of ranchers will lease BLM land and put their sheep or, you know, their flocks out there on public land to where you can go and hunt. And you don't need to ask permission. You just follow that flock around the mountains and those coyotes are right there in tow. So get with the rancher and ask him where his sheep are. His band flock or band of sheep? Band, flock. I think they both work. Yeah, I just said flock in my head and then I just said band in my head and I don't know what it is now. God, I thought I was smart. Wouldn't herd work too? Sheep herder? Herd? Most importantly, if you've got a ranch and you'd like us to come out and take a look at it, feel free to uh, reach out yeah. to us here on the old social media. We'd love to come uh, thin the herd for you. Clint, what else you got to say? You guys just said it all. I just, I'd throw in, you know, like you said, the BLM part of it. But my suggestion, too, is even if you're going to try to hunt around the, the, the flock of sheep on the open range or around the edges of the guy's ranch so that you're not trespassing, you're always better off knocking on a door and, yeah. you know, letting them know what you're doing. Cause you're, you, you, you can do that, but you know, if you're, if you're out there with guns and the guy doesn't know who you are, they're just, there's ethics, there's another chance of, of something happening that might not want to happen. So it's always a good idea to knock on a door. You'd be surprised if you present yourself in a professional way um, you can convince a guy that you know you're not gonna you're not gonna hurt his animals. You're not gonna hurt his land. You're gonna close the gates behind you, and and the fact that you're knocking on their door, it's that's a certain level of respect right there. And you, if you earn it, you're gonna be able to come back there time and time again. And we could tell you relationship after relationship we've built from that foundation. Right? It's not you don't necessarily have to know the person or yeah. you know hey put me in contact with your friend kind of stuff that always works but you know if you do a little bit of the of the sweat equity up front you can uh it'll, it'll you can get invited off. to uh, your kid's wedding their, yeah. their kid's wedding like we are now so it's that's very important in the calving season by the way you don't want to shoot guns off while the you yeah. know you do you get too close to the point you don't want to stress out the moms and such so yeah knock on the door typically the uh Bar seems to be a great place to meet the, uh, <laughs> the local ranchers. <laughs> local ranchers. <laughs> well, all right, folks. Well, uh, let us know. Yeah, write us in. I was going to say before I, uh, they rudely interrupted there across the table, but write, write in and let us know what you guys have experienced out there and what ranches you were um, hunting on. I mean, imagine there's other stuff. There's chicken farms. There's goat farms. There's all these different types of farms. Well, and also your tactics. You know, let us know. Yeah, we we'll talked just, about we talked about vocalizations and fights and that kind of stuff, stirring them up. Yeah, if you've got your different part of the country, we'd be interested in what sounds do you use? Mouth calls, electronic calls. You know, what's what's worked? Yeah, let us know. And um, I think we're about to sign off there, Crosbo. Yes, we are. Get your do, do it in Lavore's voice. Get yeah. your. I'm going to say just uh, thank gear. you all our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Real Tree Outdoors. Real Tree Escape, unbelievable new pattern for uh, everywhere. Works unbelievable in Western Nevada, Northern Nevada, here out west in the high country, high desert. 
So I appreciate your real tree. We've been with them for a long, long time and they continue to support us and like-minded people just like us. So support them when you can and where you can, and we'd appreciate it. We got some good stuff coming up for you. We we've had uh, some good hunts, some good times, some bad times, <laughs> some fun. And, uh, and we're going to tackle it all here. Clint, you got anything else to say? Nope. Nope. Sign, uh, sign us off there, crossbow. Come get your goddamn cows off of my... I can't do LaVore. I got to hear him a little bit. I don't know. He said it. Get your deer off of my effing property. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you down the road where the Bayman ends, folks. See you.